Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 87 of the MTB podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jeff. I'm Jared. And I'm Liam. And in this episode, we have all sorts of fun things to tell you about. A couple big races that Liam recently did and some interesting, crazy stolen bike stories from Sea Otter. Uh, Jared's triathlon training and never-ending bike and part changes. True. How do you feel about that? I feel great. I can't even keep up. No, it's confusing. Can you keep up? Not nearly anybody. I, mean. uh, I try to keep up. And I see it, and then sometimes roll my eyes and let him do it. Hey, man, he's just <laughs> as bad as me, so. <laughs> We're also going to do a uh, quick recap on the Chasing Epic trip that I recently did in North Carolina with a couple of the guys from our Pennsylvania store. That was pretty awesome. And, of course, the main episode, the main content of the episode, listener questions ranging from, did you just fart? Chair. Mm. said it was a chair. Do you think it was a chair? No. Okay, anyways, off topic. Is access worth it? That is the electronic SRAM drivetrain, by the way, for those that didn't know. Uh, Tire pressure suggestions. Favorite bikes ever owned, past or present. What color is a mirror? And if you'd rather have jelly as grease or grease as jelly. Hardest question of all right there. Yeah, that's a tough one. We'll save that one for the end. We'll get that till later. Or maybe maybe the third one. We'll see. All right. DJ Meatball, play a sound effect. (laughs) Well, Mr. Liam, let's jump right into your two big races you did, uh, the BWR, Belgian Waffle Ride, and the CES Enduro. Uh, talk about them. I'm just going to go it? ahead and say they're, I didn't really race them, and they're more like events, just to uh, put it out oh, there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what about com- the CES wasn't Enduro? Wasn't that like much. a race? It was, but I wasn't competing for much. I was just having a good time. It's a good time in it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I talked a little bit about the Belgian waffle last podcast, and I was like, had just said yes to it with like a week and a half or two week notice. So I went and did it. Um, it was pretty sick. Uh, I haven't done like a big event like that. I haven't done like a mass group start event like that. And like, yeah, how many people did that? I think it was like probably like six to eight hundred people. Whoa. Six to eight hundred people, all yeah. starting at the same time. They split this one up in a wave, so they had like. Kind of the the start, the men uh, waffle, the full event went first. I was in that one. Then the women waffle. And then the, the I think they call it the wafer, which wafer? is like the shorter, shorter one, right? The shorter version. So I think they did like three or four waves. Is the wafer Belgium as well, or is it not? Um, it's probably from like the country below it because it's not as big. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did that. Um, it was pretty brutal. How many uh, miles? 129 oh. on a gravel bike. On a gravel bike. How much elevation? I believe like six to 7,000 feet of elevation. So it actually isn't like super climby for how many miles you did. And it um, took you how long? I finished in eight hours, six minutes elapsed time, which is about like, I don't know, mid-pack or so. How many bathroom breaks? I could, I love, dude, I was... De- you right, didn't so, count that? You don't record I, those on your Garmin? So I was debating like how I should go out, blah, blah, blah. Like I had friends that were kind of like in the pro group, so I like... Like, you know what? I just, I got excited and I went out too hard. Um, so a lot of the time I was pretty solo. I caught some pretty good groups for a while. Then the group pro girls caught me. I rode them for like probably 30 miles. Um, they're shredding. And then around mile 80, my back really started to like hurt. And I pretty much soft pedaled from like mile 80 to like mile 100 or so. And between mile 80 and 100 was a pretty dark place. Uh, pretty delusional. 
Um, you were losing it? I was losing it. <laughs> losing it. Uh, actually, I saw Eric Bjork, one of our customers, yeah. at one of the aid stations. And I saw him, and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm like cross-eyed, basically. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. So, but he took off before me. So I didn't realize that I was at this aid station for the second time. Like, like you got to this aid station, then you went, went out and did a loop, and you looped back to the same aid station. So, like, aid station four and five or three and four, whatever it was, were the same. But you rode, like, 20 miles between the two. So I didn't know that they were the same. I was, like, that delusional. And I got I finished, and then one of our other buddies, Matt Bradley, was there, and I'm like, dude, where's Eric? He left the aid station in front of me. He, he should have easily beaten me. And he goes, I don't think so, man. So Eric came in, like, an hour later. I'm like, what happened? He's like... Dude, that was my first time there, and this was your second time there. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know we did it twice. <laughs> so, and then uh, at a mile 100, I kind of got another wind. We had the, like, kind of final climb of the day, um, which was kind of, like, overhyped. It was over-talked, I thought. But I love, I'm, I mean, I'm coming to life on the climb, so uh, finished strong, and it was good. I think if I had better training and didn't blow myself out in the first 20 miles, Probably could have knocked down like half an hour easy. Yeah, it's a long time to ride a gravel bike. Yeah, yeah. any bike or, or any bike. Any bike, yeah. yeah. I'd have been and well the bored. Terrain though was was rough, and it was rough or sandy. Yeah, like sand pits. Like you're flying down a gravel road at like 20 miles an hour, and then you hit some of those like bottom where the snow piles up in the winter, and in the summer they're just three inches of sand. Jeez. So you're going 20, whoa, right into like three inches of sand right before the next roller. So you go to the roller like zero miles an hour oh. and that was there's like 20 miles of that wow um but yeah yeah then i did a california enduro series outside of california in ashland oregon yeah because they're kind of just all up the west coast i think that's roughly. the only one outside okay. of california doesn't yeah. make any sense um but i don't care if it makes sense because ashland <laughs> is sick riding and it's my first time there yeah ashland has a good reputation for mountain yeah, biking it was really fun like i actually raced it on my revel ranger uh 130 front 115 back which is kind of beefed it up a little bit it's not an enduro bike. And honestly, it's not. <laughs> and honestly, I don't think I would have wanted any more bike for the trails we raced. Really? Yeah. Pretty for mellow the, trails. Yeah, really smooth stuff. Um, kind of like how Demo Force in Santa Cruz wants to be, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It's like how Ashland is all yeah. over the place. Smooth really. and flowing. It was awesome, yeah. Yeah, that's so nice. yeah, it was cool. I just wanted to go there and have a good time and not wad my brains out. And uh, Push yeah, it. right with my buddies who, you know, happen to all be red- racing pro class. So I mm-hmm. also race pro class, so. Um, didn't care for a result, but had a really good time. So that enduro race, was it single stage, multi-stage? Like, how does it work? What's it was the, what, five, tell me in layman's terms how an okay. enduro race works for so those there's, that there's haven't done There's five different stages. So the way the, uh, we on did one it. one day? All in one day. You practice Friday, race Saturday. The way we did it as a pro class, uh, you start off the day with the, the big shuttle to the top of the mountain. Then you raced i think basically three stages down the mountain so you really didn't have to like do too much transfers or pedal at this time Mm -hmm. it's pretty sick you just like pop in race three stages down the mountain get to the bottom you chip in you get some food do whatever and then you uh do the main big transfer which is probably like an hour transfer um then you race another stage and then get to bottom that one then you transfer over to the final stage race that one finished down and you know so did beer, any of the garden. stages have any climbing in them or are they pretty much all the first stage had i think two punchy climbs 
I think it took me about 12 minutes to do this first stage. So it's pretty long, like stage to race. It's like, you know, kind of like a, um, what did you used to race? Super D? Super D. Super D. Was Super like, D is like the original yeah, enduro, which was, was essentially just single stage enduros. Yeah, which yeah. is like, what? You, I mean, you probably raced longer than 12 minutes, but. Yeah, well, that was what was funny about Super D back in the day. It was such a new category of mountain bike racing that there was no real clear definition to it. So some of them were. Uh, some of them were eight minutes and other ones were 30 minutes. Yeah. They were kind of all over the place. Yeah. And that was even just in the same like Norba national series. So yeah, it, it was like a, yeah. an unevolved rudimentary version of what enduro racing is today, which I think people like enduro racing. Cause you, like what you said, you five stages, you kind of ride mm -hmm. and race all day and yeah. you get more for like more riding and racing for your money. Type yeah. Of I thing. mean, really like I'd never raced an enduro at all. So like to me, I was just sick because that was the same thing I would do with my buddies on the weekend. Yeah. Instead of going down, like, following each other, we just spaced it out by 30 seconds or a minute. Yeah. Nice. Like, it was pretty fun. So, um, yeah, I had a good time doing that. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. You ever raced an enduro? I've never raced an enduro. Only, only like, Seattle Downhill, I think, yeah. is, like, the only race I've ever done, which is not really a downhill race. But... Does Seattle have an enduro race? They do. Oh, they do, right? It's, like, a cross-country stage race. Yeah. Well, that terrain just doesn't really <laughs> bode well yeah, right. for... No. It's just kind of some rolling, beautiful, yeah. grassy hills at Seattle terrain. Yeah. 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 Yeah, enduro makes sense why it's getting so popular because it is a fun way to race. Like it's, you know, unlike downhill racing where you just go and you, you know, practice two days and then have one shot for a three-minute run. Yeah. Um, enduro racing, you have a lot more time to have fun, hang out, be social. Mm -hmm. You know, you get you get a lot more riding and racing in per stage for yeah. like what you pay for, what you drove there for essentially. So Sold. makes sense. I want to do one. Yeah, it was That's a good time. Cool. Start. Nice. Speaking of sea otter, uh, most of us didn't go to Seattle. I didn't go, but you went, Liam, just for a day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what happened? What, what was the drama? Well, aside from, how, okay, quick recap on Seattle. Was it cool? I mean, was there, not, was there people compared Seattle to last cool. year? Like, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of went with, like, low expectations. I had a couple meetings with a couple brands, so I went up, um, saw some people that I haven't seen in a long time due to COVID. And, uh, yeah, it was, you know, without some of the big brands there, there's still a lot of brands and a lot of people. It was pretty popular. And I was only there on Thursday, which is like the least busy day, right? Like it gets busier through the weekend. But it was um, a good turnout still, huh? Pretty solid turnout. Um, so, yeah, I think it was good. It was healthy. Uh, it's just nice to like be somewhere. There's no mask mandates. So I enjoy just like hanging out in an event. Like you haven't done that in like almost two years. So that was cool. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've been talking for a while. How, how long of a story do you want this to be? <laughs> Just <laughs> tighten it up. All right. You're sleeping in your van. Yep, yep. So went out to dinner with the guys from Revel Bikes, went back to their place. I was sleeping in my van outside of their house with another guy also sleeping in his van right in front of me. Sleeping in my van, uh, bikes were on the back while being locked up. We had already talked about if they'd be safe or not, and I was like, yeah, I'll be sleeping in the van. They're probably good. And we're at, Mon we're like at the beach in Monterey. Like, yeah, it's a nice area. It's a nice area. It's a ritzy area. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure those beach houses are not cheap. High class area. So, uh, yeah, next thing I know, I feel some shaking on the van and wake up and someone's pulling my bike off the back. I bang on the window, face him, like, it takes me a second. It's 2.30 in the morning. I'm not very firing on all cylinders right away. Yeah. Um, takes me a second. I jump out the door, chased him on foot, but he got away, woke up my buddy in the van in front of me, jumped in my van and just rip down the street um and uh yeah i saw him for a second but like the way this uh street was 
there's like an it's like a lot of beach neighborhoods, beachfront neighborhoods. There's like an alley every like fourth house. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden it's pretty pitch black too, and uh, just like kind of saw the guy out in the distance, and he just disappeared. Probably jammed up an alley, hit out, had a car. I don't know. That was the last I saw of him. Yeah, me and my so, buddy searched for an hour during the night with uh, spotlights and, and yeah. stuff. Ready so to kind go. of like, though to clarify though, so it was the bike was on a hitch rack. Hitch rack that was locked up. That was locked up. So There's two bikes on the hitch rack. Type had thing. bolt cutters. Yeah, he snipped the lock. Snipped the lock and then just ripped the bike off. And he knew so, how to work a bike rack. And he knew how to ride a bike. So yeah. Moral of the story is bike thefts are on the rise mm. because we're in a bike shortage, global yep. bike shortage, right? All pandemic-induced, same reason inventory is a total mess. Um, people are stealing bikes like crazy. So yeah, for everyone listening... Premium, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For everyone listening out there, be extra, extra careful. I mean, kind of should have always been, but nowadays, um, yeah. bigger locks, put them inside, yeah. lock mm-hmm. them up while they're in your garage because there's stories of people breaking open garage yeah. doors and stealing bikes. I'm so, actually yeah. just got it yesterday, and I'm going to install it when I get home. I'm putting a ring camera inside my garage. Nice. Yeah. So I figure it'll never really be used unless me and my roommate are in it, but if by chance, yeah. I got it, so... Nice. Um, yeah, I'm a little paranoid now, but I've never had a bike stolen. A major, yeah, it's a bummer. major bike stolen, like from my possession. So, yeah. um, I made a long time to pray to some of my friends. So, hey, yeah, it happens. Oh well, it's replaceable. Yeah, but it is a bummer. So, totally more caution. Um, bikes, Jared. Yeah, triathlon. Quick update on the triathlon training. Quick update on the triathlon training. Well, I guess by um, the time this airs, I'll be like getting ready or. Pretty much heading out. It's in Catalina, so um, Catalina Island. Catalina Island, off, off the, the coast, coast of SoCal. Do they have yes. a wine mixer there? They have a wine I've mixer. I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, wine, wine mixer. mixer. Gotcha. Yeah, not too sure, but um, training. Yeah, it's going good. Um, I've been riding a lot, riding more than I've been running and swimming. I haven't really swam at all. <laughs> I swam like maybe once or twice. You've gotten a pool. Yeah, the community pool yeah, there. Yeah, condo complex. It. I haven't gone. No, no. but um, I'm going. <laughs> you, might to, wanna, you might want to just. I'm going to give it a try once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know how to swim, which is good. Um, I'm going up to Lake Arrowhead where my family has a place up there. So I'm um, going to do some swimming up there. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my wetsuit, feeling super athletic in that thing, ready to just jump in that water and throw my arms around. Awesome. Yeah. But that is the part I'm definitely like most, you know, concerned about. I'm just going to take my time. Kind of like Liam's strategy for his race. I'm not really like trying to, you know, podium or anything like that. Just if I make it through like under two hours, I'll be pretty stoked. Yeah. So running, I'll do fine. I've been running, riding. I've been dusting off my road riding stuff and like <laughs> trying to get comfortable in that position. Get back again. in the spandex. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and it's kind of fun, honestly. Like it's it's nice to like change it up a little bit and do a yep. little run, do a little road ride and then you get back on the mountain bike you're like oh yeah no this is like way more fun than those things <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you that r- is remind true remind yourself how yeah. fun it is you, you get you, you find a lot of gratitude for mountain biking when you do other things totally. that aren't mountain biking and then totally you ride exactly. a mountain bike and you're like wow this is like this beautiful combination of fun and adrenaline and exercise and all of these things right and yeah. especially since i you know, I'm not going to lie, I got a little burned out from last month's uh, universal competition, the <laughs> mileage rate, which I want to update The shop everyone. challenge yes. where, yeah, it was who, who can I ride the win. most miles. I beat he Zach, did win. by the way, who was a very gracious loser. Um, and Zach is <laughs> saying how, you know, we, we got always, second place. We always throw some shade on Zach in the podcast, but he, you know, he's saying maybe we say something nice about him this time. So 
Zach's a great guy. I just want to put it out there. <laughs> Even though he gave it his best shot. He He's been his riding his shot. bike a lot. You know, but I think he could have done better because, you know, I think if he just did a couple more rides. <laughs> yeah, it was close. It was close, right? <laughs> no, it was close. It was, yeah. He put up a good fight. He pushed me really hard. So I was appreciative of that. And. You know, when Zach, he's a great motivator. I'll, I just love yeah, riding is. with him, and he'll push you. And like, if it wasn't him. for him, you wouldn't have beat him. If it was, yeah, yeah. exactly. See, yeah, yeah, he's a great motivator. And I wouldn't have had drive to like ride even more than I thought I could have. Mm -hmm. Like he made me realize that I could ride, you know, way more than I thought I could. So yeah. it's awesome. Grateful. Yeah. Well, yeah, triathlon training. Long story short, is going great. And then, uh, yeah. I think you were going to ask me about my bike. Yeah, your never-ending bike part, bikes and part changes, because yeah. I think a lot of people here are can totally <laughs> lost and confused on what bike is your bike, what bike was supposed to be your girlfriend's bike, and yeah. then what bike was your dad's bike that then you rode, and then it's just like... <laughs> And, well, then, and then you're actually, like, look what I did. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. Yeah, I remember you had a Ranger, but then you had another Ranger, and that has different suspension. I'm just, yeah. we're all lost. So. It's fair. Give that's, us some quick updates on current, a lot of, what's your current arsenal. A lot of us are lost, and we see it every day. That's mm -hmm. still that's, lost. That's fair. Um, I've got the same frame and the same components, except for the suspension. I just swapped uh, to a Stepcast, a Fox 34 Stepcast 120 mil fork, and a DPS. And maybe and this is those, on your Rebel Ranger. On my Rebel Ranger. And for those who maybe missed the last podcast, yeah. I had a 130 millimeter Fox 36 on the front and a Float X in the rear. So yeah, it's so a little it, bit it was all setup. burly, and then yeah, you kind of went burly. lighter weight. It went lightweight, so I probably dropped like at least a pound off the bike, maybe closer to a pound and a half or two pounds. Um, but why'd, yeah. you, why'd you do that? Why'd you switch the suspension back? I took the suspension from my girlfriend's bike that I built for her, the SB100. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. They're laughing because, yeah, she hasn't really ridden it much. <laughs> it's and, not uh, about her riding it. It's about the fact that you built it so you could ride it or <laughs> steal parts from it. That's, the, that's what we're laughing at. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, yeah, exactly. The, the okay, second dude. I saw a that lot bike getting that. nice, I go, that's not your girlfriend's bike anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, guilty. All right. Well, yeah. No, um, I took the suspension off of that bike. I put it on this bike. Eventually, I mean, you guys are going to give me shit. Excuse me. Pardon my French, but I, I want to get a Ranger for her to ride. Mm. And then, like, I'll get a bigger bike eventually. Yeah. Okay. Well, like, like a Rascal so, or something. So, without her own choice, her bike has had suspension change, various <laughs> part changes, and now she's getting a whole new bike. Yeah. And she probably just was totally happy with the existing first one, right? Yeah. <laughs> she's upset with me because I keep on changing things and she doesn't have time to get used to what was on. Which there. is valid. Which is, yeah, I valid guess it's concern. valid. But like, don't worry. Like, eventually we'll get to a point where you're like, yeah, you'll get used to it. Yeah. Oh, so, man. You know, I just want to have her to have a dialed bike and, like, have a bike that we can both ride and it'll be fun for either one of us. So yeah. nice. I think you were there like two months ago. I was, was there. Close. He was close. I was there. All right, Jeff. You're uh I mean, I haven't even I think I've seen you twice since the last podcast. Yeah, my travel schedule is as <laughs> as, as usual a bit, yeah. bit a bit crazy. Yeah, I haven't really been back in California much in the last four weeks. Um I recently actually just right after the recording of the last podcast, went out to North Carolina with Chasing Epic, the mountain bike tour company. Uh, this was a second trip that we did with them in 2021. And this time was an East Coast version of it. So uh, we went to North Carolina, Asheville to be specific, which Asheville, North Carolina is, I think, like the mountain biking hub of the East Coast now, people are saying that. Wow. A um, lot of bike industry there. So Fox Suspensions got there. Did you do that on purpose? What did I do? The hub, Industry 9, Asheville. Oh, oh come did. on. No, didn't, didn't even catch it. 
that one is over my head. The hub of the East Coast, and then I mentioned the brand Industry 9, which happens to make hubs. That's what's so funny. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so a lot of bike industry is in Asheville now. Uh, industry 9 is there. Yeah, they are. Uh, Cane Creek. Uh, Fox Suspension is there. Uh, Kitzbo's there. Who else is in? I feel like there's more. I'm missing something, but those are like kind of the, the big ones. I mean, Fox the main, is the biggest one for sure. ones. Um, yeah, a- Asheville's awesome. It's a super cool town, and the Pisgah Forest is, you know, right by Brevard is kind of like the the main area where a lot of people ride and have all these like famous trails that have got a lot of work done to them. And there's just like some like a great combination of like big elevation stuff, um, you know, crazy rocky, rooty natural terrain, and there's some other stuff that's a little more man made. Uh, Dupont is another area nearby, right outside Asheville as well, that has like some more flowy kind of you know, more novice trails that are really fun to ride. And so this trip we rode, uh, it was kind of cool the way we did it. So uh, we split it up each day, so four days of riding. And and each day, the whole group essentially got a choice, which we talked about at dinner the night prior. And it was like, do you want to ride a techie, challenging ride, or do you want to ride something a little more flowy? And uh, so you get to choose, which was nice. And it actually worked out about half and half. Half the group wanted to go ride the techie stuff, and other people wanted to go ride the more flowy stuff. So it was, it was a cool mix. It was, it was a good mix that way, like everyone that went on this trip. So there was about, I think, 15 riders that went on the trip, and everyone kind of got to have something that they enjoyed each day, which was really cool. And then on Sunday, we went and rode Canuga, uh, which is just outside of Asheville uh, Bike Park. Good friend of mine is the co-owner there, Nico Malali, and that's a pedal-up bike park. What's the pedal-up bike park we have out here in Cali? Sky Park. Sky Park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been there, but I would imagine it's kind of similar because it's like... There's a couple ways you can go up a single track or a fire road, and there's like a bunch of cool man-made trails you can ride down that are super well built. And how long were like fun. the descents typically? Mm, I think it took. It was like a mile up on the climb, and then I think the descents were anywhere from like three to five minutes, maybe depending on which trail you rode. Yeah, pretty similar. So, yeah. Pretty, yeah. I like this idea of these like pedal up bike parks. Initially, I was just like, why would you do? Why would you pay money to go pedal up a hill? But now I like rode Canuga and I was like, oh, wow, well, this makes sense. Like, you got, you're paying for maintained trails. Yeah. yeah. And like, and they're just really or well organized everything, right? Yeah. So it's like they have demo bikes there. They have a nice parking lot. You know, the whole like infrastructure is well done. And like, there's different ways you can ride up, which are well made and fun and casual. And then there's like all these different trails you can go down that are just super, super well built. Um, Nico Malali is a World Cup downhill racer. And so he kind of takes care of a lot of the trail building there. And um, yeah, it, it was really fun. So that was like kind of the highlight of the, I just, to me, it was a highlight of that chasing epic trip was just riding the bike park day. That yeah. sounds I really enjoyed. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, no one, no one got hurt. Uh, there was definitely some hard crashes. Really? <laughs> there was some hard tumbles. Well, because you mix in jumps, right? You, you go to a bike uh, park yeah. with a bunch of people. Everyone's having fun. It's Sunday. We've already been, we've already been riding for two days. So, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Nice. Uh, but, yeah, it was cool. It was a really good trip. I enjoyed that. Thank you, Chasing Epic, for helping us out with that. Those collaboration trips are cool. We've got another two of those scheduled for next year. Ooh, uh, yeah. I think we're doing Idaho and Durango. You're right. Yeah. Yep. What's the Idaho one called again? Sun Valley. Sun Valley. Valley yeah. 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 Steve said that one's epic. Durango. Yeah. So those are not Durango. 100% confirmed, Durango. but yeah, they're they're on the calendar right now. Nice. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned for that. That should be fun. Yeah, the North Carolina trip. Um, instead of bringing in Jared and Liam with myself, like uh, we did in uh, 
Where did we go? Crested Butte. Crested Crested Butte. Butte. Yeah, this time I brought Matt McCluskey and Mr. David Zapata, which both of those guys work in our Pennsylvania location, um, and they loved it, which was cool, too, because those guys are familiar with riding muddy, rooty, rocky stuff, which is, there's plenty of that in in Asheville area. Um, Luckily, the weather was amazing, which, that was my biggest opposition to that trip. I was like, yeah, I don't really want to go ride in the mud, you know, and and Steve at Chasing Epic's like, well, it might not rain. I'm like, oh, no, it's probably going to rain. Like, look, look look at the weather history. Uh, but no, the weather was perfect, so we got really lucky. So it was a good trip. Nice. All those trips go really well. They're they're super fun. Those just it's just nice to have good professional local guides take you to all the great spots every oh, yeah. time you go on a trip. So there's nothing like it. Yeah, like you don't yeah, have to there do really any is the like homework or like you do stop nothing. at every trail yeah. intersection and look at your totally. map and like see if you're going the right way. You just follow the guy who knows all the best lines. It's like yep. the best way to do it. Yeah, it was one of those things to me. You know, I would orig- probably originally look at that. You know, five ten years ago and be like, why would I do that? I could just like kind of figure this out on my own. And then yeah. once you do it once, you realize like. This is awesome. It's yeah. like a local guide. Yeah. Not only knows all of the local trails, you don't have to worry about anything, never have to look at your phone or your Garmin to figure out where you're going. But then they know like all the local restaurants and all the local like, hey, let's go swim in this river right at. Like, it's just awesome. Like, right. that's a really cool experience that, in my opinion, is is worth the money. So that was, that was a ton of fun. Yeah. Well, before we hop into listener questions, let's run uh, an advertisement yeah. from our sponsors. Oh, please. We love our sponsors. We love our sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. You really help support us. Do you get hungry? Do you eat food? Are you sick and tired of the same old fake food being sold to you everywhere? Introducing Cat 3 Charcuterie, delicious performance snacks for the discerning cyclist. Forget the artificial protein bars and gross gummy snacks, and try one of our three amazing snacks. Peppered salami and provolone, prosciutto and striped cheddar, or gabagool and gouda. Visit your local health store to find out more. Tire pressure. Mm. I found Envy has at least the best starting point. This is always a debate on how long you can go, especially when you go, how, how low can, you can go. How low you can go. Especially when you get to inserts tubeless, tubular. Tubular, dude. Um, what does it mean by Envy has at so least Envy the best? Envy has a chart. I know for sure they have one for gravel. That's pretty useful. So it's hmm. got like rim width, a couple different options, tire width, a lot of options. And then it goes down by your weight. So you can kind of just follow the chart, find your zone. Um, yeah, it's pretty accurate. Like, it's definitely for like a, I mean, at least the one I've looked at is like for pure gravel riding. You know, like you're spending most of the day in the dirt. Do they have the same thing with mountain bikes? I'm not sure. Let's Google. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, people ask this question all the time. And, and my take on tire pressure, uh, of course, like if you're a novice and you have no idea where to start, you have no idea where to start, and then it's helpful to know. I have a good one. Um, what? So back in the day when Stans was, you know, one of the only names in tubeless, yep. they had this thing where like you took your body weight, divided it by seven, mm-hmm. and then you minused one for the front and added two for the rear. Sorry. Tell me that one more this time. This is ridiculous. This no, is, this is, a- is college algebra, dude. Did you say divide it by seven? <laughs> Your body weight divided by seven. Okay, I'm going to bring up a calculator real quick. It's see pretty, if this, this is, is accurate. This is Harvard-level calculus. Oh, come on now. That's kind yeah, of an insult to Harvard. They do have one from Mountain as well. So. <laughs> All right, well, hold on. Before, before this crazy formula, uh, you, need, you need to know some level, some relevant starting point. But I think what really matters, you know, body weight's a huge variable. Tire size is a big variable. Um, but really like where you're riding, right? And like, that's yeah. another big variable. If you're in like good, smooth trails with no rocks, 
and you're never denting your rims, like that's a totally different scenario than if you're just riding like blitzed, fast, rough, sharp, rocky trails all the time. So that makes a huge difference. Yeah, it does. But I'll say what you just said is pretty much bang on for what I run. What'd you do? 185 pounds, which is like roughly what I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. um, divided by seven brings me to 26 and a half, basically. And you said, what, minus one for the front, which I'd normally run about 25 in the front, and then add two for the back, and I'd normally run like 28 in the back. So it's Why don't you tell anyone this later? I earlier. Should, I should have gone to Harvard. Did you, you make this Harvard, up? Dude. No, Stan's did, dude. I, I cannot take credit for this. Conspiracy. You looked up my weight and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's um, pretty good. Okay, Liam, how much do you weigh? Uh, buck 50, maybe 145. Um... I'm going to say right now while he's doing that math, uh, the Envy mountain bike charts a touch low, on my opinion. So that means that stands, according to stands, you should be ranked 20 PSI in the front, 22 in the rear. That's if, way too low. Or no, excuse if, me, 23 in the rear. If I was running... That's too low. Yeah, if I was running like straight XC and I wasn't like doing jumps, I could probably get away with that for sure. Yeah. But I run 23 to 24 in the front, 25, 26 in the back. And that's, that's kind of pushing it low. I definitely hit rim. But yeah. It's a good balance between traction and, and not rolling the tire off. Yeah, I definitely like running lower. I mean, if I could be between 20 and 25, like, that's my, like, the bike rides so good in that, but I'm just afraid to fly. Jeff does 24, 28. You do 24, 28. Yeah, or 24, 27. But like, I like the rear tire pretty firm because yeah. I really don't want it to have that much traction, and I also don't want to have to worry about that tire. Like, I just right. don't want to worry about that rim and it dinging, and, like, yep. I just don't really think I need that much traction there, and I don't typically ever have an issue with 28 psi when it comes to like climbing traction so yeah i'm, I'm good with that do you think um, that there is anything um like for instance if i wanted to run like 22 in the front and 28 in the rear is it like that big of a difference like, well, i don't think that matters to that? i mean the, matters? the biggest thing is like if you're actually like pushing hard into a corner like a dual salon racer mm -hmm. would like push into a corner yeah you're just gonna roll that tire over if the pressure's too low so like on on a high speed like sweeper corner you're gonna love the pressure that low right yeah. but on like a sharper like banked corner where you're pushing into it that thing's gonna roll if i could so roll you the tire off my front wheel i would be really stoked <laughs> well I'll just you, put you 18 psi to. in there and yeah. i'll get yeah. bet you you will yeah, yeah. you're probably you're gonna face bite it if you do <laughs> roll the back yeah, if you're gonna you roll one be that so yeah like, so it's that's the problem with going low is like if your tires could essentially never go flat you really wouldn't just want to go lower and lower and lower and lower because eventually the, the bike becomes like wandering right. and squanders yeah. and like the tires roll and so so there's a limit to like how low you can go even right. if the tires could never go flat and that depends on your weight how hard you're pushing the thing into corners mm -hmm. um all your that riding sort of stuff. style yeah like xc guys i mean they are light but they run like 16 18 psi Right. I don't know how they do that and don't roll the tire off the rim. It's because they're probably not like... But just, they're not pushing it. They're not they're riding not, they're super not. aggressively in terms yeah. of like their bike handling, right? Exactly. Mm, depends on what level of XC. World well, Cup you know XC, I mean? they're, they're like, shredding. They're not like shrouping, you know, or like... Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, they're probably they're trying smooth. to... Make, I mean, yeah, it depends energy. on where you're at, like yeah. skill level-wise, right? Like if yeah. you went to a local race and watched like a Cat 2 XC race, like... Correct. Yeah, people are not going. They're not trouping their rear tires. But like, if you watch the Olympics and watch World Cup S XC racers, like, yeah, they kind yeah. of are like yeah. slamming into yeah. ruts fast. Yeah. You know? So 
But yeah, so I don't know. I mean, tire pressure is kind of complicated, but I don't know. I think that Stan's method is pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I always, I always it's good. Have at least people, a great starting. Yeah, point I always have people, people start go. there. Like I yep. think it's a pretty good place to start. And for mountain, at least. If you're denting rims or blowing out stuff, yeah, you can go up if you. Or just dinging that. it at dinging, all, right? Yeah. Like if you're dinging it yeah. or you're feeling it roll under you, then add psi yeah. and vice ever, versa if you never dang and you never feel it wander like keep lowering yeah. it until you do and find that balance if yeah. you ever end a ride and you have a bunch of x's on your maxis tire on the sidewall it pretty much means you're rolling the tire in corners and you have either too low psi or like just on the limit yep oh that's a good indicator too nice yeah. cool well stance calculation one more time body weight divided by seven minus one psi for the front Add two psi for the rear. Boom. Damn. Pretty Try good. That out. There's your starting point. Yep. Boom. It's a calculation. Next question. Do you think super enduro bikes are too big and companies should go enduro or downhill? Mm. It's kind of a funny question. I mean, I think historically downhill bikes and really still are eight inches of travel, right? Dual yep. crown forks, full blown, big, long, low, slack, long travel, crazy beasts of mountain bikes that are super fun to ride, albeit they essentially can't go uphill at all um super enduro bikes are like seven inches of travel mm, like 7180s. yeah they're like seven inches of travel um but they can actually pedal and they're fairly light and the geo is not quite as aggressive as a full-blown downhill mm, bike well some are yeah some are, yeah, some are pushing some are. it but they're still like a lot more pedalable than yeah. a downhill oh, bike yeah. is. they're designed to pedal yeah so yeah. i don't know i mean I, I think there is there is some like line there between like a seven inch travel bike that you can use for enduro and then a full-blown downhill bike um i mean full-blown downhill bikes are just totally different right like the bottom brackets are so low for handling reasons and there's no consideration of really like being able to pedal it on a climb because yeah. that's not what the bike's for whereas like this quote-unquote super enduro like seven inch travel bike there is a consideration of you can actually pedal that thing on a technical uphill climb and not have the pedal slam into the ground constantly so i don't know they're they're still different bikes so yeah i don't know i still seem as different yeah they're definitely different bikes i will say though that super enduro bikes are almost taking the spots of some downhill bikes uh second and third place at red bull rampage last week was on a basically super enduro bike yeah it was on a evil insurgent was second place with kurt sorge and yeti sp165 with reed boggs yeah with dual crowns yeah so, well yeah i mean they, ride, they can ride the gnarliest stuff so yeah i mean what i was gonna say is like honestly a super enduro bike is like the perfect case for a place like whistler where i mean if you want to go ride the park you know all day you could do that and then if you want to go like pedal and do trails you could do that too. Mm -hmm. I mean, for, you know, this was really just about like where you're, where you live and what trails you ride. But like, there is going to be a bike for nearly everywhere, you know, when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on where you live and where you ride. Yep. Yeah. And your preferences. Yeah. And your preferences. What you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah. Cool. Well, much, much more importantly, the next question is Would you rather have jelly as grease or grease as jelly? Oh, gross. You first. I mean, I obviously don't want to eat grease, so I would I yeah. would rather have <laughs> grease as jelly, right? Not jelly as grease. Or did no, I get that backwards? Um, this this you'd rather have grease. No, you'd rather have. I'd jelly rather put like grease. jelly on my bottom bracket than put grease on my toast. Yeah, Does absolutely. That make sense? I'm a yeah. big fan of jelly. Yeah, and peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Yeah, 
That just wouldn't yeah, fly jelly's for me. Jelly's good. I'm gonna have to agree because like even if I have to service my bottom bracket and like regrease regelly it every couple days, regelly my headset. And then I mean the best part about this is you could just keep some jelly with you all the time and then you have a snack. Yeah. I have and, I have and something to admit. You've done it. No. No, oh. I just wanted to tell you a story about eating uh grease and stuff. Oh god. What were you gonna say? Well, I have two two things. Um <laughs> We don't need to go that in depth on this topic. Well, I actually don't think jelly would be that bad as a grease. If yeah, I'm being honest, not. some yeah. real thick stuff. Oh yeah, I think That'd you're right. Pretty solid grape. Um, my admission is when I was a teenager and I worked at a local bike shop. Um, another guy who worked alongside me was the owner's son. We were the same age. He was a good guy, and uh, another person who worked there was his younger brother, who was six years younger. So at the time, he was probably I don't know, eleven or twelve, thirteen, something like that. And uh, we we used to find funny ways to get him to eat stuff like grease or WD forty or, <laughs> or or spokes like anything. <laughs> spokes. I feel well. Let me explain. Uh, we put a we put half of a spoke in a subway sandwich once. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's, yep, My God. we did. I'm just, well, those 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 things you do when you're a seventeen year old oh, and you look yeah. back God. and you're like, what was I thinking? I was did a total jerk. I mean, it probably hurt. I don't think he broke his that tooth, would hurt. but it, it probably hurt. He did bite into it. But we even <laughs> at, even at one point, we took a starburst and we took a little like a pick and we poked a hole into the starburst and then we put the a WD forty little red tube inside of that and then sprayed a little WD forty in there and then like put the starburst back in the bag and he like ate that. He's like, oh, it was, and this we'd watch this. I mean, it was so it was so funny. But and oh, of course, like we put Park Polylube grease on his you know food all the time and like without him before he looked i mean it was is one of those things that it was hilarious back then but you look back and you're like wow when i was a 17 year old kid i was just totally heartless like why would i but you know how you like i mean what did he was his younger brother exactly yeah exactly right it was his younger brother you mess with your younger brother and i was an accomplice to that crimes and yeah it was it was pretty funny so you were an accomplice he never died he's he's alive and well uh yeah he's he's doing great so not yet yeah, <laughs> so he's no, he's he's all good. He's all good. Everything's fu- everything's fine with him. Uh, but anyways, he did eat a number, uh, quite a bit of grease. That is disgusting. Okay, is the kettle bib back in stock? Yes, it finally it is. is. Yeah. So for all of you that know uh, the apparel brand we own, Kettle Mountain, we make a really nice bib called the Canyon Bib. Got a super nice Italian-made chamois in three pockets. And it's the best yeah, bib. It's a really super good, high-quality bib with a lot of thoughtful features. And it is finally back in stock, so hit the Worldwide Cycler site or the Kettle Mountain website and get yourself a super nice bib for your tushy if you're looking for that right get now. Get it while it's hot. Hurry up, because I'm about to buy them all. Yeah, they're probably going to sell out by I already got December. two today. <laughs> Every kind of re-up on my bibs, you know? Yeah, never hurts. You can only deal with so many stains. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people buy new bibs. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've been doing it wrong. Oh, no. Is access worth it? I'm going to start this one off. Well, okay. Context, just in case. Access, SRAM Access, AXS, their electronic mountain bike drivetrain, which they make in X01, XX1, and DX. Right. Mm-hmm. So just, just in case people didn't know. All right. Yeah. Is it worth it? Go ahead, Jared. I'm going to say 100%. Yes. Hmm. What's your reasoning? Um, my reasoning is that one of my least favorite things to do is adjust shifting. And since I've put the axis on my Ranger, I haven't had to adjust it once. 
over the course of several hundred miles and it shifts perfectly every time assuming my you know drivetrain is like relatively clean and mm-hmm. chain is lubed um which would, would be for any you know any shifter and trailer right um but yeah that is my main reasoning is that it shifts perfectly every time and almost instantaneously and i don't have to adjust it all i have to do is charge the battery and i can hold the button down and it'll shift for me continuously It'll that is just, cool that is I'm a cool feature flying downhill and i come to a super punchy steep hill and i can hold it down and it goes into my easiest gear like that's the coolest thing ever drop the mic okay yeah, yeah. have you got anything Bell to points. add to that sir Bell i mean points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, points. i agree with everything jared just said awesome uh exactly all those reasons another reason I mean, it takes a cable off your bike, and it looks sick. Oh, yeah, yep, that does. That's nice, yeah. The third reason, or <clears throat> the last reason I have that's important-ish is when you travel with a bike, you can just take the whole derailleur off your bike that's and right. wrap it in a whole mm, bunch of that stuff is convenient, yeah. and mm-hmm. put it in the middle of the bike. And mm-hmm. that's it. And then I was, the batteries are so small, I always have an extra one like around me or in my van or like in my gear bag. Yeah. Like I've got like four extra batteries that just float around. It's true. Just got to make sure they're charged. All right. Well, I mean, here's Devil's you know, Advocate. What do you got? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe it. I, a lot of people absolutely love Access and have bought it and enjoyed it. I personally uh, don't always run it on my daily driver bikes uh, because maybe I'm just old school at this point, but I just love that, like, raw, clicky shifter cable, your thumb connected directly to that derailleur via a nice rigid shifter cable. Like I just like that feel. It's like more tactile to me. Um, I also also like riding bikes and to get away from electronics a little bit. I know exactly why you don't have it. It's because you have an 11 speed on your bike. Oh, that's, that's a problem (laughs) too. Technically he has 12 speed. Yeah. On a Ranger I have 12 speed. You've got 11 and he is a personal mechanic so he never has to actually adjust it like that's yeah, true I, yeah you know yeah my opinion on this is a bit skewed because one <laughs> i <laughs> i i uh like is always dialed you know i always have a dial bike because i ping around between three mountain bike shops uh and i can have a mechanic there to work on it at any time i want so that's a little bit of a <laughs> ridiculous perk to, to my to my position here at wolf cycle unattainable for many <laughs> That right there. If you own three bike shops, it's kind of you know convenient because you have a mechanic that works you on your bike all the time that are really good. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. The whole shifting. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Come to think of this, I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I do get the aspect of like not having batteries, not adding complication to your bike. You're like literally on your phone and computer, sixteen hours a day. Yeah. I use the electronics a lot just so for work. You so I kind of want to like. Yeah. Exactly. I get it. I want to tune out of that. I want my bike to have this. It's it's almost like, you know, just just an example. Um, my mom has a, a 2001 Mazda Miata. It's a Nardi edition. has a supercharger. Ooh. And it's like, nice. it's cool. It's a yeah. really cool little car. My mom loves it. And Is when it a I, manual? Yeah, it's of course. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's, and, and when you drive that thing, it's like manual transmission, and you can tell immediately when you drive that car that the gas pedal is connected with a wire. Yeah. yeah. And it's just new cars aren't like that at all, right? And so like you drive that thing, and it just feels like this like fast like I don't know. There's something. You should that, say the gas pedal is connected by a cable because the new ones are connected by a wire. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, I knew what you. Connected mean. by a cable. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, not 
electronically right. right and and so i like that that's a cool feel and to me that's like how like a it feels raw, a, it feels yeah. raw like how it's yeah. how a shifter feels oh. when it's connected with a derailleur cable as opposed to this electronic feel so i don't know maybe it's a tactile thing but yeah you're right this concept of like all the things you mentioned especially the fact that you can just hold the button down and it just shifts so kind of limitless gears that's yeah. Yeah, that is cool. I so will say, People though, love it. I don't think I've met anyone who, like, went back away from it. Like, they get it, no. they get used to it, and they love it. Yeah. I will say the only thing for me, it took me a while to make the jump because I felt like if you make the jump on one bike, you got to make the jump on all bikes. Yeah. Because it's such a difference of, like, just just minute, but, like, when you like when you go to shift when you're pedaling on that hill or, like, this and that, and, like, the way the paddles feel, like, it's all a little bit different. Yeah. So if you're jumping back and forth... To me, that was too much, and I just like, I just want to forget when I'm riding a bike. I don't care if it's got electronics. I don't care that. I just want to be sitting there thinking about, okay, I got to shift this button here. Yeah, yeah. I just want to make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like running. Like if you have three or four different bikes, you want them to all have the same width handlebars and like your brake levers positioned the same across all of them. Like that's just really convenient. So totally, setup preference is key. Yeah, right, wow, cool. what bike snobbery like we're, we're going oh, on here. Like, so if, jaded. I know. if you have four bikes and you go to access, <laughs> you have to change them all to access because you know that's just how you gotta have the same feel across. <laughs> There's no way I could possibly stand uh, going back to mechanical on my yeah. extra bike. Uh, <laughs> oh man, it's so true. God, sorry, everybody. Uh, more importantly, next question Pop Tarts or Protein Bar? Ooh. What do you got, Jared? Both. Okay. How about a Pop Tart Protein Bar? a brilliant idea <laughs> all right sell, jared, sell that jared just that. left worldwide to go work for kellogg <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah it's product innovation over there kellogg's jared has left the chat um uh i'm gonna go with kind of neither this is like for a ride yeah yeah or, i don't know that wasn't specified wasn't specified yeah okay i'll go prop tart pop tarts are pretty good though they but are. only like two flavors three flavors but only if you can toast them. If you can't toast them, yeah, not that, big, not big as good not toast guy them. here. But um, oh, oh, yeah. that cinnamon pop tart with like the brown sugar s'mores cinnamon. That one is good. Yeah. I don't know. I'm more of a fruity, you know. Oh, you like the like I like blueberry fruity one. Yeah, yeah. But that's like my pie flavor. I just, you know? mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm so over protein bars, man. I just, ugh. yeah, I don't like eating them. I know. Anchovies, Nid Hills. No, no. Excuse me, sardines. Sardines. That's, yeah, Nate Hill, when he snack. came out here and he, you were asking about trail snacks and yeah. he said sardines. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a big peanut butter jelly guy. That sounds good, I'll too. I'll out everywhere. My yeah. favorite. Dang. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not everywhere, but... Maybe and Jay. Oh, well, well, unless I ate them all. <laughs> Jeff, what's your favorite chain lube? My favorite? For SoCal. <laughs> this is going to bounce off Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do what I do at work most time and delegate this question. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean... I haven't, uh, I don't even remember, dude. Like, it's been a yes. long time since I, like, really was, like, nerding out on chain lubes and stuff. Essentially, for me, for SoCal, and, and really even anywhere, I like a dry-ish chain lube, like a clean chain lube. Like, yep. I do not like gummy, gooey drivetrains no. at all. Yeah. Um, I get it when you go out and ride the East Coast, especially when you're doing more than 10 miles. Like, I feel like if you use... A chain lube that would last 30 miles out west in the dust, it's going to last you seven miles yeah. when you're riding in Pennsylvania and there's yeah. mud and water. So, like, I get why you need a different lube if you're riding in more mud and water, but I just, I don't know. So, I try and always avoid these, like, more wet-based yeah. gummy lubes unless mm-hmm. I absolutely need them. Um, yeah, so in SoCal, I want something that's, like, 
certainly dry and is not going to be gummy and sticky and probably wear off in 10 miles, but that's fine because I typically do 10 to 15 mile rides and then bike gets a little quick service and chain lube goes on there. So, so most dry lubes. Most dry lubes. I don't have like a huge complainer reference between any dry lube for that sort of stuff. But, yeah. but once again, um, yeah, I haven't really, I'm not, I'm not as deep into these weeds as like. Yeah. I've recently just got real deep into this weeds. I even have like a spreadsheet going. It's Oof. ridiculous. I made my roommate record her stuff cause she was, she actually was the one who got me started on it cause she was just complaining to me all the time. Liam, my drivetrain, my lube sucks. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. It's dry all the time. You got me a bad bottle. Uh-oh. <laughs> like, all over and Didn't over. Didn't shake it. So then I came home with six lubes. Yeah. And I said, this is what we're doing. We're going to try them all. Clean your chain. Strip your chain. Try this one for three times. Write it down. Do this one three times. Write it down. Do this one three times. Write it down. So I got real in the weeds. Pretty much came to, I think, Maxima Dry Lube is probably the best all-around lube for yeah, an I like easiest, easiest yeah. application for, like, the average rider. You're not, like... Super uptight about keeping your drivetrain super clean, or maybe you forget to lube here, or like you forget and you lube it the right before you go ride. I think that's like probably the best, just all around average lube. It works great, lasts a decent time. The next one that I'm most stoked on is going to liquid wax based lube, mm. getting fancy, but is Squirt, which is kind of like one of the first names in that liquid wax based lube. And that one, you got to be a little bit more. Uh, Liberal. Premeditative. Uh, pre, 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 you got to plan a little bit more. Yeah. With that one. Um, so, like, strip your chain down. Even for, like, Belgian Waffle Ride, did the gravel bike. Stripped it down. Uh, yeah, did you lube your chain well, over 120 miles out? of riding? Yeah, so funny, actually. I, I did two coats of lube on it. They said do two coats for a longer ride. So I did two coats. You let it do it, let it dry for, like, 10 minutes, do another coat, let it dry the night before your event. So I did that, and then I did bring a little squirt top-off one, um, but I was probably at like mile 65, and it felt pretty good. And then a pro girl came up to me and asked me if I had any chain lube. So I said, yeah, I do. So I gave it to her, and she got about maybe halfway through lubing her chain and dropped it, and we were doing like 20 miles an hour. So that was... She trying to lube it while you guys riding? Yeah, you, you don't stop when you do that stuff. Whoa. So I was, like, I was like pushing her along, and she's like trying to lube it. No way. And dropped it, but... I didn't and need it. Didn't so stop. I did, drop I did a, chain while right. What? No, she didn't dropped my stop. chain lube. Oh, while while, <laughs> while coasting along. <laughs> I, just think uh, I didn't chain. stop. I was like, no, I was, I was just in this pack. You don't really stop. Um, we don't know enough about this road yeah. bike kind of thing. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> the squirt, the squirt, uh, two pass lasted like 130 miles, and I used it on mountain bike, and I dig it too. You just nice. have to. It doesn't work well if you like just put it on and then go ride. Mm-hmm. You have to let it, you've got to at least give it like 15, 20 minutes to dry. So, okay. my suggestion to my roommate was come back from your ride, immediately wipe down your chain, immediately put squirt on it, go for, go on with your day and go change. Yeah. And it's always good for you the next time you come to your bike. Okay. Okay. Good point. Um, well, to talk about some other things, just to bring it up real quick, Muck Off Dry Lube is currently the best selling chain lube on the World that's Wide actually, website. The, what I was going to say is that's my favorite. And then lube. it's WPL. Oh, sorry. That's a fork boost seal lubricant. That stuff is cool for seal lubricant. That lube. stuff is flying off the shelf. What's our, double, what's our second best-selling chain lube? Let me see. Okay. Wait, so you, like, you use the Muck Off Dry Lube? Yeah, I use the Muck Off Dry Lube, and it works really good. I actually tried that, and then I tried the ceramic one, which I guess is a little more towards... Ceramic C3 is the second best-selling. Yeah, that one I like, but it, it 
gums up the drivetrain mm. a little yeah, bit. Also ceramics. made by Muckoff. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Muckoff C3 ceramic is also Damn. really good, but maybe not more more of a wet lube. Yeah. I, I want to say rock and roll gold lube. Rock and roll gold. Rock and roll is which also good. Is great and clean, but I found it just doesn't last that long. Right. Yeah. Maybe if you're on a long ride, sounds like something I would like. You'll uh, your chain will be screaming at you. Yep. Um. But yeah, I like the I like the Muckoff stuff. But this other part to this question is wd-40 a viable chain lube well that's kind of confusing because it's confusing like og og wd-40 from home depot or like wd-40's new yeah bike line bike line of lubes i think so, this person totally is probably referring to traditional wd-40 okay answer, answer both traditional old school wd-40 in an aerosol can absolutely not that's not meant to be chain lube it's not actually lubricant at all yeah it's Just a FYI. water displacement water that displacement. like removes grease and yeah. it's like a degreaser it's totally yeah diff different no never put that on your bicycle uh, never put really anything because an aerosol can on your chain. Uh, but WD-40's bike line, mm -hmm. yeah, we don't have a ton of experience with that, but it, that's a totally different thing that's, like, made specifically yeah. for bikes by people who ride mountain bikes. And pretty that's... good. I found the dry stuff, like, I used it years ago. It was, like, a little bit gunky, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. not bad. Just a little bit gunkier than I liked it. I like a super clean bike. I'd rather yeah. have a noisy, clean chain than a quiet, dirty chain. Fair. Yeah, no, I agree with that, too. Yeah. Yeah, and just a tip, uh, if you hit any category on the Worldwide Cyclery website, it's the default sort order is best selling, um, and especially a popular category like chain lubes or tools or whatever. Um, there's a lot of data behind that. So curious what actually is selling really well, and typically things sell really well on our site because a lot of mountain bikers are buying them and they work good and they continue to buy them. Um, yeah, so any category you look at, if you want to actually see good, relevant products that are selling the best, it's that's the default sort order on the website for a reason. So if you go there right now, you can pretty quickly see which chain lubes are best selling, and those are a lot of the ones we just mentioned. So, yeah, that's cool stuff. You know, All right, we're giving away a lot of really good information on this giving podcast. Away. A lot we of good information. For it. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, should we put it behind a paywall? Monetization is in the future. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of which. Let's hear an ad from one of our sponsors that pays us at minimum $10,000 a month. <laughs> Looking to give your Christ of Voyager that custom touch? Check out Voyaging Voyager's Off-Road. We have been providing aftermarket modifications for your Christ of Voyager for years. We are now offering wheels, tires, suspension kits, roof racks, rock sliders, light bars, and more. Check us out at voyagingvoyagersoffroad.com. Wow, this is a hard question. What are your all-time favorite bikes? ever owned past or present really hard question do you want me to start you're looking at me like you want me to start i mean okay well this is bikes plural so i'm gonna do that um i'm gonna start in order of travel from shortest to the longest you guys ready for a year yeah, or I was, I was say, <laughs> <laughs> trying to go home at some point today, um, yeah. okay uh Closest to cross country, I'm gonna say SB100, and then uh, down country, I'm gonna say my Rebel Ranger currently, mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna say uh, my lunch ride Yeti SB130 I had last year, maybe almost two years ago now. Um, to be fair, I haven't ridden a Rascal, so it's probably up there. Yeah. I have not actually. Yeah, I know. It's surprising. Gee. It's shocking. And then um, from there, I'm gonna go SB150. My Yeti SB150 that I just sold, actually. Mm-hmm. And then... 
Oh yeah. Oh, you're getting tired of me. Oh, th- I'm just. <laughs> I totally lost already. Like this. This is I, keeping I track just, of this answer is like keeping track. I just of took what this question as like what one changing. you have. Okay. Yeah, that's what and I then, thought. You're one. Okay. Sorry. You're one. I mean, I didn't have. You're right. It does say bikes plural. It says bikes have owned past, present, or. Doesn't say bikes. Just says bikes. Yeah. We just <laughs> Liam just deleted the S. And then I'm gonna throw in my old Santa Cruz Nomad for uh, old time's sake. Old time's sake, because that is a really just fun nostalgic, bike. How dude. many bikes can you ride at once? <laughs> one. Good job. You, you ride, ride with okay. one holding it next to you. Yeah. There you go. That's my answer. Oh, cool. That didn't really help anything at all. But right, Jeffy Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> well, like, that's the question I answered. What do you, you just, want? You just named all these good bikes you've recently had, but. Bikes. I've Which, okay, that answer. Your answer does make more sense if people saw the spreadsheet of other bikes you'd also owned, oh, like within, within the last five yeah. years. You know what I mean? That is like all the bikes I've owned in the last five years. Uh, okay, what I had Mondraker. All right, all right. Yeah, was, yeah. Now, yeah. now this is what would land us here all night. All right. So thank you. Those are your favorite bikes. Yeah, those are them. Thanks all right. for answering. Yeah, get out of here. Yeah. What are your favorite bikes, Mister? I get a new. <laughs> Guy loves bikes. Guy loves bikes. <laughs> my, Mr. my favorite bike, past or present? Yeah, you're right. This question is ridiculous. Yeah. Now, now that you oh, come on. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll give you two answers. I already the f- know the answer. The first thing that popped into my head was the Uno Dash. Yeah, that, I, that's okay. Yeah. yeah, knew that. Uno, extremely high, extreme, like the most expensive mountain bikes on the planet. Boutique, handmade in Barcelona. Um, the creme de la creme. The creme de la creme of mountain bikes. Oh, as oh, 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 I like to say, wait, wait. Um, but it's Spanish, so not a French brand. Yeah, not not a French brand to be clear. <laughs> uh, I I love that bike. The look of it. The fact that they only make fifty of them a year. Um, everything about that. I had a custom painted one. No one else had that. Like I'd never even seen one in person until we got that one and became dealers for Uno. Um, I love that thing. Uno Uno is like. In between year kind of years right now, and they're going to be launching a bunch of new stuff next year. So stay tuned for that if you're really curious on that brand. But I don't know. That's the first one that's like come to my mind because that was like that bike to me was the one I looked at and I was like, this is an epic bike. It was like yours. Yeah, it was like, like you saw nobody that? has this. It's custom painted. It was, it was you know it was like one of fifty. It was just so I really really liked everything about that bike and how it looked and like how rare it was and I don't know I just enjoyed that and obviously it worked, the suspension platform worked good. Geo was good. I really liked all. Of it was them. special. It was special exactly. Um, it was so that's that's like the first thing that pops into my mind. Um, the second thing that pops into my mind when you say that is like well I have like all these really cool good bikes that like the Revel Ranger that I ride right now. I'm in love with that bike. I think that ride's super good. Uh, the old Yeti 4.5. I oh. really enjoyed that bike. With I think the that was like fork. this, like yeah, with the turquoise fork. Mm. That one that I built looked really good, and that bike was just like a perfect balance of like lightweight pedal efficiency, but still capable. It was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that Yeti. Yeah, yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, though, I guess those are the other things that pop into what my head. What about like so. big bike? Like big bike? Like downhill or enduro bike? Like, what's your favorite ever? Oh, I had a um, Da Vinci Wilson, like the mm. fairly recent one. Yeah, the carbon one. That nice. was like my full-blown eight-inch travel downhill bike that I really Sick. enjoyed. I had like a different Da Vinci Wilson. I got like a new one every year for like four years in a row. Nice. And I love that thing. So, yeah. But I'm not going to Whistler every summer, so I don't build a downhill bike anymore. But maybe one day. Bring that back one you mean day. next year. 
Oh, I mean, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be sweet. One one day when the world's slightly more normal and we can just freely travel to Canada riding mountain bikes easily. Right. That'd be cool. All right, Liam. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to keep it pretty simple. It was, up until probably a few months ago, the Yeti SP 4.5. Mm. I think Yeti was super ahead of the time on that one. It's basically down country before anyone made up down country. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one, like the first yeah, of its kind. For reference, yeah. it was a 140 fork with 114 mil of rear travel, 29 inch wheels. Pretty slack and low for like when it first came out in like what, 2015? Yeah. Yeah. They, they kind of pioneered that segment yeah. to some extent, that it like was, aggressive, lightweight yeah. trail bike, I guess you could call yeah. it. Yeah, that thing and it, was rad. And it was lightweight, and it pedaled really well. I'd say the other one, it's not my favorite bike, but just mention it, and the first Evil Following really, like, oh, yeah, that was cool. pushed that was 29 short too, yeah. travel ahead of his time, but mm-hmm. that wasn't my favorite bike. Now, I think it's changing, and I think my current Revel Ranger, the way I have it built up, is my favorite. I have it a little overforked with the 130 Pike, um, wide wheels, good brakes, and that, to me, it kind of just does what the Yeti 4.5 did, to me 130 fork 115 rear and like good geo um just on a bike that fits a water bottle and is new and modern so. more than just one water bottle too yeah too yeah. true yeah, true and it's versatile like you can you can you know make it a lightweight you know cross-country bike or you can make yeah. it you know burly like beefy down country yep. bike which i guess you could kind of do with the four or five but like even more so yeah, with the ranger much, yeah yeah but yeah that's my answer it's nice answer. and simple i like cool. it well, the next question is not quite as challenging, or maybe it is more challenging. If you could be any Maxxis tire, what would it be and why? Easy. What? Ask the guy. And guess. why? Because Greg Menard made it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's not, yeah, that's my top answer. Hmm. Jeff. I'm torn between the DHF, just because it's like the iconic all-time winningest tire Maxxis has, and was is been around for a long time originally designed by colin bailey years 20 years wow. originally designed by colin bailey which was an amazing u.s world cup downhill racer 20 years ago or something like that um and uh yeah that's just a famous tire and it's still to this day has a phenomenal tread pattern that is rivaling the best grippiest tires on the planet and every brand in the world has tried to copy it but i'm also torn between the dissector because i just like the dissector it's fast it's Grippy, it's lightweight, it's, I don't know. I think you more so resemble the DHF, you know, iconic, legendary, (laughs) tried and true. Uh, To me, those things just say Jeff Kaler. I thought that's where he's going with that. (laughs) You're really greasing me up, Jared. You're really greasing me up, thanks. Yes, I do. He wants that raise, baby. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, Liam, what do you got? I mean, am I picking my favorite Maxxis tire to ride? No, no, it's, it, if, if you that's could not the question. One. It says if yeah. you could be anyone. It doesn't mean it's your favorite. Just like, you do you want to be fast? Do you want to be yeah. grippy? Do you want to be an ardent race? <laughs> <laughs> why, do you, why do you laugh? That's a great tire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has I almost went Downeyville with that thing on the back. Ardent do you, race? Do you yeah. want to be a... I'm trying to remember some of like their like you know plus what? bike tires, but I can't even think of it. <laughs> the Chronicle. The Chronicle. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the Chronic... Or the Colossus, isn't that one? Um, the Colossus. I'm going to go Minion DHR2 because it's a great all-arounder. Mm. Knob height's great. Okay. Uh, looks mean, yet, you know. Yeah, it's got rolls. purpose. It looks like it's got, it's got purpose. got purpose. It gets the job done yeah. whenever you need it to. That's like me. Yeah. It's All like, right, there yeah, you go. Perfect. 
Put him in, coach. Yeah. All right. Originally designed as a rear tire, but realized it works perfectly good in the front, and Greg Menard won a World Cup in South Africa running it in the front. Actually, I would probably go to argue that the last two years, DHRs have won more World Cups than DHFs. Wow. Well, I mean, you, well, you can argue that or just figure out the data because it probably exists somewhere. Someone I'm pretty, knows the answer I'm, to that. I'm quite factual on that. You mean like as a front tire? Well, yeah. you can't be quite Certainly. factual. You can either be certain with a relevant set of I, data and a solid source, or you can just be I, I look, I look at all World Cup bikes and all World Cup winning bikes, and mental noted, DHRs are more winning okay. than DHFs. You're theorizing with your mental notes that the D, yeah. He's I confident. mean, I don't disagree, but I'm just saying. I'm confident. Theorizing. I'm confident. Look okay. it up. Even even <laughs> even riders that are not somebody, specialized. Somebody look yes. it up. Even even riders that are not sponsored by Maxxis mm-hmm. choose to run DHRs front and rear with spray painted Maxxis. If somebody looks this up and emails us extensive research on this topic, we will give you. Don't even go there. What? <laughs> just one. Just not that many people are going to do this. Just one person who one gets person it to us first. Who gets first right. person. First person to get it to do us. Do they get a minion DHR? Yeah, they get a, a two free Maxxis tires. Of two free Maxxis tires. T- a set of tires in your size. Yep. If Perfect. you can get this data to us first. Yep. And if not, then just and that's email Jared at worldwidesider.com. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast at worldwidecyclery.com. Uh, if it goes to Jared, you'll be disqualified. Podcast at worldwide. And my email okay, is just changed. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly and concisely. Damn it, uh, Liam, you can probably hit this question the fastest. Without going into too much detail, difference between Fox Rhythm, Performance, Performance Elite, and Factory. Um, I mean, high level, obviously, those okay. are like different price points and they include different features. But, like, how can you quickly and concisely just like, what the heck's the difference? Fox Rhythm is mostly OE. I don't know a whole lot about it, but it's. OE means it's not really sold after market. It comes stock on complete bikes yeah. purchased from. Lower, lower level complete bikes. Not a whole lot of adjustment. Still works pretty good. Some trickle down tech. Then you have the performance line, which is the gonna, least expensive. The, yeah, the least expensive aftermarket option. Also very popular for stock bikes. Uh, mostly come with a grip damper, um, which basically is open, some adjustment to closed, and one rebound adjustment. Then you have Performance Elite. So I'm actually going to jump over Performance Elite real quick and go to Factory because Factory is like the nicest level of Fox. It's the highest level. It's what the pros race. It also has a Kashima coating. That's the main thing, the Kashima coating and the nice internals. Uh, Usually has more adjustment as well. Like either like, a Grip 2 or a Fit 4 damper. Grip 2, Fit 4, high-speed, low-speed compression, high-speed, low-speed rebound on a Grip 2. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Performance Elite, which kind of combines performance and factory, in which you get the performance exterior look, no Kashima coating, but you get the internals of the factory. So it's kind of a great bang for your buck. It's a little harder to find, but if you can, it's a great great option to save you, you know, 100 bucks, 150 bucks. So. And it performs as, you know, the same as factory, basically. Yeah. Um, so it's like yeah. if you want the premium level Fox suspension, but slightly less expensive mm-hmm. and also to not be Kashima. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe match. Some people don't like the Kashima color. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah. It is cool, but some people want you black. You like a black theme going, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Performance Elite is legit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. Well, I think I couldn't have put it any better myself. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Dialed. Dialed, Dialed right? Fox's yeah, it's Fox's, oh. uh, Fox's thing. Oh. Web series. Good web series. It is. Um, it's really good. Which do you dudes? Which do you dudes prefer? That's which, really hard to say. Which, which do, do you dudes? you dudes prefer for cars slash Subaru Crosstrek, roof mounted or receiver hitch? Pros and cons. Um, 
that okay so that we actually made an entire youtube video on that which i thought was pretty well done it was yeah. it was called like top five ways to transport your bike or top ways to transport your mm -hmm. bike something and like that actually i think we used a subaru cross track for a lot of the options i yeah. even used to have a subaru we showed cross some track. roof racks we showed some uh hitch trailer racks. hitch racks yep. some tailgate pads trunk on racks. truck trunk racks like yep. the ones that with the straps and stuff yep yeah so we kind of went over all those in a video pros and cons and so i just recommend watching that youtube video yeah. super but useful i'm going to answer it yeah really okay. quick go because i had this car the cross track yes mm -hmm. and i'm gonna go with the receiver hitch because the number one main benefit is because you can get into parking garages and you will not rip the bikes off the top of your car. And you can yep. go through the Taco Bell drive-thru without having the bikes yeah. smash into the any thing. Any drive-thru, yeah. any parking Specifically garage. Specifically Taco Bell. Yeah. The only bummer is that you can't like get into your trunk, but most racks will tilt so you can get in there. But um, yeah. definitely. What about the swingy thing? Doesn't Raymond yeah, have or, one of those or the swing, swing away. things? Those yeah. are kind of expensive. Or the swing I, away. I got it on my van. But yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely receiver hitch because the bikes on the roof are loud and they will reduce your fuel efficiency yeah yeah that's true yeah and then they get covered in bugs on there yeah 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 i would just definitely I, go roof for the roof pitch. mounted rack is in my opinion like one of the least like that's like the last case scenario yeah also yeah. pro tip the receiver hitch you can get online like super cheap and it's really easy to install yourself so for the you don't, have to, you don't have to weld it no it, it's bolts yeah. that just bolts into the frame like mm, in the gotcha. subframe in the rear and so my old van yeah. was i installed it in the back of the shop and maybe like, yeah, 45 yeah. minutes exactly nice. yeah so go the receiver hitch route and you will thank yourself cool all right next well, question what color is a mirror this is hard like can glass. i can i come clean what this is my question oh uh, you put that in there i don't he know did. i wanted to answer and if we didn't answer i want a listener to answer because they're probably smarter than us i'll go first all right all of them all the colors oh. isn't that black yeah all of them. Yeah, I think he's right. Because if you refract light off of it, it will show all of them. <laughs> prove me wrong. Someone prove him wrong. I want him, <laughs> I want him to be wrong. I can't prove him wrong. I don't know. It's either all of them or none of them. That's so. why I asked him. Here's a crazy thing to think about. I'd say it's a reflection <laughs> of all colors, therefore it's not a color. Oh, if you're standing in one position and I'm standing in another position, we're looking at the same mirror. We're seeing two totally different things. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right? TV can't do that. We're both doing that at a TV. We're seeing the same TV screen. But a yeah. mirror showing two completely different things. What's your point? Different perspectives, different things. Yeah, but this is factual. Perspective. Well, yeah, no, I'm just, I mean, I'm just, I'm just getting philosophical on you, man. Well, I mean, I'll save that I for later. Bikes. We're better at bikes. <laughs> <laughs> 2020 intense primer fell about 12 inches, similar to Jeff's gravel bike. And now the paint is effed. He has continued to ride it since. What do you suggest? Okay, so context there. When he says similar to Jeff's gravel bike, uh, my gravel bike was at the beach, and I'd like propped it up on a rock uh, with the pedal, and a gust of wind blew it over, and the top tube, when it blew over, it slammed on another rock that was sitting in the sand, and there's a basically, it was essentially the same thing as if you took a hammer and just whacked the top of your carbon top tube. Like, Cracked it. The bike is broken. Yeah, the top of the the top to broken but you've been riding it i have like a thousand miles on that bike since that happened so does he i didn't i didn't write that down as summarized this oh, question is really long. okay yeah. yeah i mean the top tube of all tubes on a bike prob probably has the least amount of pressure i mean we're not engineers, so we can't confirm that one yeah well, maybe not seems... the least but maybe not you know 
the I'd highest say if it's concentration. Back from the head tube, yeah, it's probably lowers the yeah. load zone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> disclaimer: if you have any broken anything on your frame, stop riding it. Um, but in his case, in your case, or even in my it, case, when you just don't want to buy a new bike, yeah. it costs a lot of money. Well, I think he was kind of asking, is it actually cracked, and how do you know? Like, and he keeps riding it. Yeah. Um, if you take like the back of a screwdriver and lightly tap down your frame, and then you get a dead spot, that usually means it's a pretty like deep crack. Yeah. So if or it if is, you can push on it. If, right. you, if it feels say. soft, yeah. Mm-hmm. If it feels soft, it's usually cracked. I mean, um, you can is, take it to Carbon Repair. So I was gonna say, I mean, ship it to some people. It's normally not that expensive for no. pretty basic like Carbon Repair, and they yeah. can touch up the paint and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I send some a guy in LA. His name's like um, Montenegro Mon- Manufacturing. Hearn. Mm-hmm. Name's Hearn. Um, he's fixed like two or three bikes for me in the past. He'll paint match and make it super legit. Nice. I've also had him just like, dude, just fix this thing as cheap as possible and send it back to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. He's a cool job. Nice. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a lot of really reputable carbon repair places out there. Yeah. I would definitely check those out. Yeah, I should probably do that with my gravel bike, the sol- <laughs> yeah, my salsa should. cutthroat. But yeah, I just, you know, I mean, it seems fine and I just pay attention to it. It doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. It hasn't gotten any worse. Also, put little Sharpie marks at the edge of the cracks and if they spread, yeah. it's definitely cracked. Mm. If it doesn't spread, it could be paint or it could be like surface level carbon that's and not good, like that's deep. That's a good tip. Legal disclaimer, we are not advising that you ride any broken bike. And we are not responsible if you do. And exactly. Hurt yourself. Exactly. <laughs> Riding a broken bike may cause injury or death. <laughs> Worldwide Cycler and MTV Cop Pasco Incorporated are not responsible for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's all we got for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you've made it this far, we genuinely appreciate it. And we, we love you. Love we love you. you. Thank you. Uh, I don't have any giveaways. Not this time, except for the Max's tires. <laughs> figure that out Max's that data, tire and comment. we will get back to you. Yeah, figure out the data. But you need to like, you can't just like BS us. You need to give us some yeah legit data, factual data with yeah. like photos or results yeah. with the people's button, like something. tires next to it. Someone something. probably already some did proof. It. It's probably out there. It's probably out there. Well, I mean, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. certain that like it's what I said is true. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I agree <laughs> honestly. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, it's either DHF or DHR two. What you're saying? Well, in the, in the last, however, you didn't even specify the exact number of years. I said, I said two years. Last two years. Two years. Bro, we can't that's even not go, even that much data. We can't even go 2019, 2020, because 2020 was a short season. Yeah. And 2021, I believe there's more wins on a DHR two as a front tire and a rear tire than there is as a DHF as a front tire. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> uh, all right. Wrong. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you guys next time, which could be in a month or less or more. Who knows? Should be about that. Thank you. See you later. Signing Bye. off. Signing off. Good night.